First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't generate amusing holiday cards, but it will personalize career paths for your people and let you know which suppliers are best so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kathleen Davis. The biggest career risk I ever took was when I moved to London after college as part of a year-long work exchange program. My journalism degree had nothing to do with my role in human resources at an investment bank, but the experience living, working, and traveling to other countries was life-changing. Taking that big risk led me to taking some other career risks, like moving to New York, landing my first magazine job, and eventually here to Fast Company, where I just celebrated my 10th year. Today's episode was recorded at the Fast Company Innovation Festival in New York City. We had a booth at the festival where attendees could record their answers to prompts. Here are a few others on their biggest career risk, starting with Brad, who says he's taken a lot of risks and made job changes throughout his life. Looking at my career, which has been quite a roller coaster, I'm trained as a bankruptcy lawyer. I've been interim CEO of an insurance company. I helped restructure Radio Shack twice as general counsel, head of marketing, and then head of dealer franchise, and also ran a media company, which had billboard and radio assets for a few years. And as far as risk goes, it's really, to me, about recognizing that you need a change and recognizing what's important to you personally, just for your growth and for your happiness and making that change because nobody's going to do it for you. You're not going to have people knocking down your door asking you to join XYZ company and there's not going to be, you know, a bunch of lights and bells signaling that, that hey, you need to make this change. You need to, to do some, or I needed to do some internal digging and reflection and, and recognize that change was necessary. And the biggest risk is recognizing that you need that change because you're taking the biggest risk to yourself, your happiness, and your health by not making change if that's what needs to happen. Embracing change, like Brad just talked about, is not always the easiest thing to do. Sometimes taking that risk doesn't work out. Bryant was working in corporate marketing when the opportunity to move to a brand new industry presented itself. When I was at PepsiCo, um, I was offered a role to be the chief marketing officer for a cannabis company. Um, This is back in like 2018. And in essence, it was uh, an unusual opportunity because you're you're in the middle of seeing an industry being born. Um, I started my career at Clorox like in the 2000s when I saw the dot-com boom I was really young in my career at that point, but I saw that that whole energy of of the creation of an industry in San Francisco around e-commerce, and frankly, I felt like I kind of missed it. So when this presented itself, the cannabis uh, opportunity, I thought it would be a great opportunity to help steer and and kind of create an industry. Well, I jumped in with both feet. 
And what I learned is, although very interesting, kind of messy industry, not quite ready for prime time. I think the I underestimated the the level of regulatory adherence that we would need to to kind of manage. And then also um, because of the the federal kind of prohibition, the every business was undercapitalized, and so what that meant is that nobody had money to spend. And as a marketer, you know, if you don't have funding to essentially raise awareness and kind of do the, the normal things that you would do to to drive a business, it becomes very very hard. And so, essentially, exited the the industry and can now joined Sterling Rice, uh, which is an advertising agency, as I mentioned. And, you know, I love it. It was a big career pivot. But, um, yeah, the cannabis thing didn't pan out so well. And it may. It, you know, you never know. There's, you know, the, the industry is kind of right now in a down phase. But I think that some significant action needs to happen on the federal level in order to make that a, a really kind of like truly robust industry. When we talk about career risks, we are often talking about trading stability for passion. At Fast Company, we have the privilege of talking to startup founders from across industries, and that trade-off is usually at the center of their story. This is the case for Rose and Asama, who trained and worked as doctors before founding their companies. Here's Rose. So for most of my life, I was studying to be a doctor. I went all the way through to medical school. I started medical school. But what I realized was that my path was, what I felt uh, called to in my heart was something very different. So without a plan B, I packed up my bags in a way and left and um, just wanted to go on this journey of uh, self-exploration. And many years later, here I am part of a co-founding team for a tech company that brought back all of my experiences from all of the things that I've done in the past. And I think that's kind of um, an example of, of how the lives of humans are going to shift in uh, the future. And I think one of the biggest things that we're going to have to get comfortable with is the process of change and being able to navigate change effectively, especially big career change and big changes in our lives. And a lot of jobs are going to be completely transformed as a result of technology. And as a society as well, our social structures are also going to be affected by advanced technologies that are being developed, like artificial intelligence. And I think as a society, we have to get really comfortable with navigating change and being okay with change and taking big risk. And one of the pluses that I think is going to happen as a result of artificial intelligence is that it might free up a lot of our time. So we have to know how do we use that time to better ourselves as human beings and to better our planet. So one of the the biggest risks that I took was to actually leave something that I worked really hard for um, and for a very long time. I, I spent over a decade, almost two decades working on it. Uh, just to go in the process of exploring what's new, what's out there, what's different. How can I make my own life more fulfilling and better? My name is Asima Ahmad, and I am Chief Medical Officer and Co-Founder at Care Fertility. I'm also a double board certified obstetrician and gynecologist, as well as reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist. When it came to my career, I had decided in my 20s that I was going to pursue medicine. I had read a line that stated, if you save man, it's as if you've saved all of mankind. And if you kill or harm man, it's as if you've killed all of mankind. And to me, that put everything into perspective. 
playing a role in improving one person's health or saving their life not only impacts that person, but it impacts everyone around them. So I had decided I was going to help people by taking care of and optimizing their health with a particular interest in women's health. So I knew I was going to be a doctor. But the risk that I took was when I was in San Francisco and I met my co-founder, we started thinking about the bigger picture. I always knew that I wanted to do something around that. I had done my master's in public health at Harvard, and I was very interested in thinking about not just that one-on-one relationship and the impact that you have directly on the patient, but the bigger picture. How could I impact millions of lives? And when we got to talking, we realized what the gaps were and how to address them. So we decided to found this company together, Carrot Fertility. We wanted to increase access to care so that when it came to fertility and family forming, everyone would be able to access it, regardless of their age, race, sex, sexual orientation, gender, marital status, and location. Everyone would be able to build the family that they wanted the way that they wanted to. And to me, that was a big risk. It was off the path when it came to medical training and all that, but I received support from my fellowship director. I was at UCSF at the time, and I worked very hard on both building my patient population, my career, my experience with medicine, but also building this company. And now we impact millions of lives globally. We are in over 130 countries, and we help people when it comes to their fertility, family forming, pregnancy, lifelong hormonal health, including menopause and low testosterone. So it was a big risk, but in the end, it ended up helping millions of people. So I'm very grateful that I took it. People also take a big career risk to dedicate their work to a cause they care about. The next two people we'll hear from are passionate about gender equity. Here's Rachel and Adiola. The biggest career risk I've taken is really showing up as a woman at work. And it took me a while to figure out what that means. I've worked in always male-dominated industries. I started in law, and now I'm in tech. And the reality is that as many women as we bring in or show up in our industries, frequently when there's decisions being made in the room— I'm the only woman. And so it felt like a lot to really figure out how I could be authentic and bring the feminine perspective to the way that we're creating technology solutions for our customers. We don't talk about it really openly. We talk about diversity, but I've never heard us talk about it in a really granular way. What are some differences between a more feminine approach and a more masculine approach? to creation, to the rhythm of work, to the way that we achieve our objectives. And while I borrow from both feminine and masculine characteristics, as just about anyone does, I had always really held back from getting really clear on what a feminine approach is and trusting and being confident that it would be of value to my place of work and to our customers. And doing that felt like a real risk. And the really big part, probably the defining features were being outrageously creative, going and filling up white space, but not doing it in a traditional linear way, not starting with the end in mind, not creating OKRs and metrics. Eventually, we get there because we need to connect with our customers 
and the way that they think and other people in the organization, and that's a common corporate language. But the big risk for me was really infusing a much more lateral way of thinking into every part of program creation, into every workshop that I run with customers, into the cycle of weeks and months and, you know, how we work as a team. That's felt like a really big risk for me. And to be honest, it's felt like the biggest reward where I show up more authentically at work and I see the balance between masculine and feminine that we so need in our community and we so need in everything that we create coming to life um, in my workplace and with my customers. My name is Adiola. I am the CEO and founder of Fem Equity. The biggest career risk I took was leaving my Fortune 500 financial institution role as a financial analyst being paid 48% less than my male counterpart. And I left that job with no other position lined up for me. And I decided to create my organization, Fem Equity, to close pay gaps for underrepresented professionals like me who were being underpaid. And how it's panning out? Well, we have over 100 paying professionals, and the average salary raise is $18,000. So I'll say it's panning out well. Finally, we'll hear from Walker, whose risk came after tragedy and reflection on his own life. So I'd like to start by zooming out to 2019, 2020, a tough year for everyone. When I think back to that time, I had two friends lose their life due to drug overdoses, and that was shortly before the pandemic hit. I was extremely distraught, trying to figure out what to do with myself, with extra time that I had been given, while also dealing with personal grief and tragedy. I was working a full-time job as a nonprofit consultant, and yet I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like I was doing enough to support the world in a time when everyone was shut down. My friend and I got to having a conversation about ways that we could support our community. At this time, I was 24 years old and not using my time as well as I could have during the pandemic. And what we noticed was many of our younger peers were losing out on internship opportunities as companies pulled back their internship offerings. We also saw the small businesses that we knew and loved throughout Chicago closing their doors, some of them for their last time. We also had a large network of people professionally who were trying to find ways to give back, and that's where the idea for our nonprofit started. Now, Covalent was an opportunity to bridge the gap between students, mentors, and small businesses in need of support. We created a digital marketing fellowship program that helped students get the career experience and that client-facing experience that they didn't have and support small businesses with pro bono services. Now, at this time, I was working a full-time job and the hours were long. I'd wake up at 6 a.m., start work, go to sleep around 10 o'clock, and I did that for a few months. And now I don't like to say that that was healthy, but it was a big career risk to be attempting to manage two jobs at the same time. But that summer, we had 50 students and 40 small businesses and over nearly 100 mentors from around the world come to join us for that first cohort at Covalent. When that summer ended, a fellow came up to me and said, if I hadn't had this fellowship program, I don't know if I would have gotten through this pandemic. And that meant the world to me. Now, three years later, 
Covalent is still running. It's still successful. And I'm still working a full-time job. And I'm lucky that I've been able to manage the two. And I'm fortunate that I was able to get and harness grief and tragedy during a time when everyone was feeling their worst and turn it into something that was meaningful and beneficial for uh, the community at large. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want to hear from you. What's the biggest career risk you ever took? Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com. The New Way We Work is produced by Joshua Christensen and Julia Shu with editing by Nicholas Torres. 